Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our normal Wednesday episode for week seven. Uh, I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show and or welcome back to the show. Um, whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new to the podcast, either way, we genuinely appreciate your support on the show. Um, again, it's our normal Wednesday show. We're going to recap uh, the last couple of days of action, which, of course, is four games, all of the quarterfinal games from the uh, in-season tournament. We'll go through our, our news and we'll also do uh, the 20 guesses segment. We haven't done that for a couple of weeks, uh, as well as a new weekly prediction. But let's go ahead and start with our, our game summaries and our key news. All right, we're going to start, of course, with the first game from Monday Night's Action, and that is the Indiana Pacers hosting the Boston Celtics um, and a very exciting game. You know, you kind of thought with the similarities, if you will, to a March Madness type tournament, single elimination games and the Indiana crowd, of course, the uh, the home of, you know, high school basketball, especially, but college basketball is huge as well in the state and you figured they would be able to latch onto this. And, but even without that, you know, the Pacers fans are very avid. They love the Pacers. And so you knew if the Pacers had a chance in this one, that it was going to be an electric atmosphere. And that certainly was the case, not only the fans, but the the bench themselves getting into it. And it was a back and forth game. I mean, down to the wire, super exciting stuff. 16 lead changes throughout. No one led by more than 11 points, and that was a very brief lead by the Pacers late third quarter. Uh, Celtics led by nine late second quarter. Again, back and forth, anyone's game down to the wire um, until a couple minutes left, and Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers star with a huge game and a huge three, um, <clears throat> Pulls up for three and gets fouled, I believe, by, excuse me, I want to say it was Jalen Brown. Might have been a different player for the Celtics, but he gets fouled on the three-pointer, makes the shot, and then uh, drains the free throw. Of course, the four-point play, putting them up by four points, and that set the crowd off. Um, They were able to expand on that lead. They get a fast-break dunk for... Uh, the former Celtic Andrew Nem or not Andrew Nemhard, uh, Aaron Neesmith, excuse me, the former Celtic Neesmith, and that the the bench the whole time is losing it, and especially for a team like the Pacers who have a lot of younger guys and guys on, um, you know, smaller scale contracts, for them the the potential for the bonuses that they would get for even just playing in the the tournament final is huge, so they're amped about it. And it was just an electric atmosphere. Again, final score, the, the Pacers win this 122-112, to 112, your final score. Pacers punch their ticket to Las Vegas. Um, box score for the Celtics, <clears throat> excuse me, they were without Chris Alps Porzingis. Certainly could have made a difference, um, but they got great performances from both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tatum with 32 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Jalen Brown with 30 points, 9 rebounds and two blocks and a steal. Really not much more you could ask from those guys. They struggled a bit from the three-point range. They were a combined four of 15, but still they got the scoring workload out of those guys. Derek White had 18 points, eight assists. 
Um, 15 points off the bench for Sam Hauser, who was five of seven from three point range, definitely making up for the struggles from most of the other team from the three point arc. Um, so not a terrible game for the Celtics by any means, but the Pacers were, were just locked in. They had seven guys in double figures again, led by Halliburton with his first career, triple double 26 points, 13 assists and 10 rebounds, five of 11 from three point range electric game for him. Um, and Halberton joins, uh, well, this is a sense turnovers retract in 1977-78 season, uh, so not a comprehensive history, but for a, you know, a good amount of time, he's joins only Nikola Jokic in 2018 and Grant Hill in 1996. Only those three players, now including Halberton, they're the only players to record 25 or more points. 10 or more rebounds, 10 or more assists, and zero turnovers in a game at 23 years of age or younger. And again, yeah, Halliburton, no turnovers with 13 assists. He continues to be one of the best point guards in the NBA this season, certainly top three. And you could argue, I mean, Curry obviously is in that mix always. Lillard has been good. But you could argue Halliburton has been the best you know, traditional point guard in terms of the the assist numbers compared to turnovers and a lot of the other things that he brings to that team. He's just been phenomenal. And the Pacers as a whole, uh, in the second half, they had 70-plus points, which was the 12th time they've done that in a half already this season, which was the most ever through a the first 19 games of a season for a specific team. So the Pacers have been red hot offensively uh in this game buddy healed 21 points four of six from three-point range they got uh, 17 and 10 rebounds from miles turner uh 16 off the bench from benedict matherin uh 14 off the bench from aaron neesmith 13 from bruce brown and then 12 from obi toppin from three-point range as a team they shot about 47 and a half percent 19 of 40 i mean they just did uh, so many things right in this game setting a lot of history uh being the first team to punch their ticket to the semifinal game and again congratulations to them as they moved on to face the winner of the Knicks Bucks game which we'll talk about in just a second but for now let's go ahead and jump to the second game from Monday night and that was your 1-3 match or your 2-3 matchup in the west of course the Pacers were the 2 seed Celtics the 3 seed in the east but now the 2-3 matchup in the west the home team 2 seed Sacramento Kings facing off against a three-seed visiting team, New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans get the road victory, 127-117, to 117, your final score, another close game. Um, although this one not quite as back and forth as the other game we talked about just barely. Uh, the Kings took the early lead with a red-hot first quarter. The Pelicans took the lead back, uh, or took the lead themselves for the first time early second quarter. And uh, that was the only other time the lead changed. The Pelicans held on to the lead, leading by as many as 15 points on a handful of occasions. Um, They were just a little bit sharper all around after that first quarter than the Kings were. Looking at the box score for the Kings, they were led by De'Aaron Fox, 30 points, five boards, four assists, one of seven from three-point range, a little bit rough, but not a terrible game. Uh, Demonis Savonis, 26 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, One of his, I believe, his second triple-double this season. Uh, two steals and a block as well. Um, 66% from the floor, pretty solid. And then they got 21 points off the bench from Malik Monk and five assists, two steals, especially in that first quarter. 
got them off on a great foot, five of nine from three-point range. Then they got 14 points from Keegan Murray, 12 points from Kevin Herter. Again, not bad all around. Uh, that's some decent production. But the Pelicans, uh, with the return of Trey Murphy the third, or a guy who had recently been back in the lineup, of course, CJ McCollum in the lineup, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, you know, they're a lot healthier than they've been for a lot of this season. Led by Brandon Ingram in this game, 30 points, eight rebounds, six assists, uh, 50% from both the floor and three-point range. They got 23 from Herb Jones, five boards, five assists, 18 points, 11 rebounds for Jonas Valanciunas, 17 points, seven assists, two steals, two blocks for CJ McCollum, 16 points for Trey Murphy the third, um, and then 10 points, six boards, six assists, three steals for Zion Williamson. Guys just, you know, stuffing the stat sheet, doing just about everything they needed to in order to win this game, including Jose Alvarado, nine points, three boards, two assists, but also two steals and two blocks. Of course, he pulled the the Grand Theft Alvarado play. You know, Darren Fox gets the, the inbound pass, bringing it up the court, and uh, GTA hiding behind, you know, the the King's bench or his own bench or the ref or something and swoops in for the, the easy steal. You know, you'd think that teams that have some sort of counter for that, you know, communicate or, you know, he's very intelligent about knowing the time to pull out that move. And uh, it, it's an easy basket and you need those as, as often as you can get them. And so uh, an easy steal at least, and usually leads to a nice basket. So, just the sharper performance from the Pelicans, credit to them. Their all-round play, the defense of so many guys, the versatility, Herb Jones and Trey Murphy in particular, those guys, what they bring to the Pelicans' versatility along with you know guys that can play a few different positions. CJ is the, the point guard who's been more of a shooting guard. I like their mix. I like Willie Green, and now they've punched their ticket to join the Pacers in Las Vegas in the semifinals of the in-season tournament. And they, of course, were set to play the winners of the Lakers-Suns game. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But again, we're talking about the team that the Pacers would face. And let's move on to that game from last night's action. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks is the one seed in the East hosting the wild card four seed uh, New York Knicks. And the Bucks get the victory in a huge offensive output 146 to 122 your final score the bucks moving on to face the pacers in that uh tournament semifinal game and uh it was a pretty close game i mean it was within 10 points for the whole first half 15 lead changes throughout that whole first half um uh, but in the third quarter the bucks kept rolling um and uh, they built the lead and it just steadily got bigger leading by as many as 27 points towards the end of this game and uh, the offensive output for the Bucks was phenomenal. They shot as a team 60.5% from three-point range, and they had 38 attempts, which is just remarkable. That's the best ever in elimination games in NBA history uh, with that many attempts. And it's the second best in franchise history with at least 35 attempts. So red-hot offense and red-hot red three-point shooting, especially from the, the starting backcourt, Lillard and Beasley, uh, Malik Beasley, six of 10 from three point range, Lillard, five of seven from three point range. And uh, you're going to be doing pretty well when you can get that kind of scoring, although they were led in the scoring category by Giannis Antetokounmpo, 35 points for him, 10 assists, eight rebounds and three steals. Not much more you can ask from him. Lillard, 28 points from those threes, along with seven assists, a steal and a block. They got 18 points from Malik Beasley, all of his points from those three point attempts. 
14 points and seven assists from Chris Middleton looking just a little bit better as he gets a little more acclimated, you know, back into those minutes, Uh, 13 points off the bench for Bobby Portis and 12 points off the bench for Cameron Payne. Glad to see him getting more of an opportunity after it looked like, you know, he is kind of roster spot on any team was in question this off season, which was confusing. You know, he had played well in reserve minutes for the Suns um, during that whole Chris Paul run. And now that he's on the bucks, he has a chance to be a contributor to that team's success. How about Brooke Lopez? Nine points in this game, one of four from three, but he had eight rebounds, three assists, three steals and three blocks. Um will certainly be in the conversation again this year for a defensive player of the year uh, type impact. I mean, he's been stellar. The Bucks have been stellar again. They move on. Great offensive night. If we want to look at the Knicks real quick, as far as their performers, Julius Randle did all he could. 41 points in this game, six boards, five assists, shooting 73% from the floor, and 11 of 12 from the free throw line, just about 92%. I mean, just a phenomenal game. Just a shame that they weren't able to get the win with that kind of production. Uh, Jalen Brunson, 24 points and six assists. He missed all five of his three-point attempts. Definitely don't like to see that. They got 23 points, eight boards from R.J. Barrett, and 11 points from Josh Hart. So if they could have got, you know, the other production from, you know, a little more production from some of the other guys, more bench scoring, you know, they would have been pretty close in this game throughout. But uh you know, that just kind of dried up and they weren't able to get quite that level of production. And so the Bucks win it and they move on to face the Pacers. The Bucks will be the designated home team. But again, those games are in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, should be very exciting to see. Of course, the uh, Pacers had recently beat the Bucks in a regular season game. So there's certainly a chance for the Pacers to win that game. And, uh, I'll be kind of rooting for them. They're kind of my team that I'd like to see to win this thing. But, uh, you know, it's exciting nonetheless. With that, let's go ahead and move into our last game from last night's action. The uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Excuse me. Los Angeles Lakers winning at home against the Phoenix Suns, the one seed Lakers against the four seed wild card Suns. Final score 106 to 103 for the Lakers in this game. Uh, not without controversy. We'll get into that in just a moment. But as far as the flow of the game, uh looked like the Lakers were going to win big in the second quarter, but the Suns fought back early third quarter. 14 lead changes overall, close in the final minutes, but the Lakers still come out with the victory in this one. Uh, for the Suns, they were led by Kevin Durant. Not much of a surprise. 31 points, seven boards, four assists. Looked like at a moment he might have injured an ankle, and there was definitely concern there, but... um just a little more wear and tear. Um, hopefully nothing that takes him out of more than a game or two. He did finish the game. So that's certainly good to see, but he was 70% from the floor, uh, four of seven from three for 57%. I mean, he was very good in this game, 21 points each for both Grayson Allen and Devin Booker Booker also with 11 rebounds and six assists, seven turnovers though. And Duran also had five turnovers. So that was certainly a factor in this game. Uh, outside of those three guys, no one scored more than seven points for the Suns. So, again, the questions of can they get that other scoring production from the bench guys? And, you know, even an Eric Gordon who started and has had success for the Suns, he only scored seven uh, in this game, one of four from three. So hurts their chances a little bit, but they were in this. They were right in the mix. Uh, for the Lakers, they were led by the uh, the ageless LeBron James, 31 points, 11 assists, eight rebounds, and five 
steals. A couple of uh, statistical notes with that stat line. LeBron's first 30.10 assist, five rebound, five steal line that he's had since 2008. So 15 years ago, that's remarkable. And he was also the first Laker to put up that kind of stat line since Magic Johnson in 1987. Um, So that's pretty remarkable for him to accomplish that. And then comparing LeBron and Durant in particular, those two guys trail only Michael Jordan in points per game average in winner go home scenarios with a minimum of five games played. Of course, those guys played a lot more than that. Michael Jordan averaged 36.8 points per game in those elimination scenarios uh, or those winner go home games. Durant 35.3 and LeBron 34.4. So a very elite company, three of the greatest scorers, certainly um, either volume wise or, you know, uh, average wise uh, or both in NBA history. So incredible company to be in of course we know those guys are in that mix uh and for lebron to be doing this at 39 years old or just about that old even more impressive uh anthony davis pretty solid 27 points 15 rebounds and two blocks uh you know to say the least he was solid although there was concerns in the second half he only got seven points and nine rebounds two of ten from the floor so you know there's always that it seems like there's something with Anthony Davis's game that people are kind of, well, he struggled in the second half, you know, but it didn't seem to hurt their chances of winning. And then off the bench, Austin Reeves, 20 points and six boards, including a clutch three towards the end to put them ahead. Um, similar to the Suns outside of that, one guy had eight points. D'Angelo Russell, one guy had seven points. Not a lot of other scoring from those other players on the team. And they struggled. They shot 30% from three-point range. The Suns shot 48% from three. So you thought the outcome would have been in jeopardy because of that. Um, But no, but going back to that controversy bit, the controversial moment was Lakers have a a narrow lead. They inbound to Austin Reeves, who immediately is kind of double teamed. He's already struggling to maintain control of the ball. Ball squirts loose, but then there's a whistle and a timeout called by LeBron, who's just, you know, a few feet away, you know, 10 or 15 feet away on the other side of the court as they're going to bring it up the floor. And so the issue is at the time that LeBron signals for the timeout, it looks like the ball is already loose. As Reggie Miller pointed out on the, uh, the broadcast that you can't, you can't call for a, a timeout if you don't, 100% have possession of the ball. So certainly some justified frustration on the Suns' part. Um, They did have a chance to, I think, tie it down three with, you know, the final seconds winding down. They bring it up. Durant isn't able to convert on a a tough three-point attempt, and the Lakers come out with a victory. Again, with those final moment calls in a close game, I would, I certainly sympathize with the Suns in having a complaint against that. Um, but sometimes that's just kind of the way it goes. You have to live, you know, as rough it is, as it is, you have to live with a non-call or uh, a, a wrong call or a call that shouldn't have been, you know, and what's even going to be worse is if there was a, you know, the two minute review and, oh yes, we did miss the call, but sorry, you're staying home. The Lakers, they're going to Vegas. Um, 
it is what it is. You know, you could also say that the Suns didn't convert the three. Um, I don't know if that's really a, a great argument, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. It did look like, you know, the Suns get the steal and they're right back underneath their own basket. They would have been able to convert, but you never know after that, if it's a tied game, who's going to be able to convert. If it's an overtime, who converts, there's not certainties, you know? So again, it is what it is. It, it does. It, it is a rough situation for the Suns, but uh, there's not much you can do, I suppose. And that's, uh, you know, maybe there's a change in that kind of, you know, protocol in the future, but at the moment it stands, uh, the Lakers played a great game and they are able to move on and they will be playing in Las Vegas. They'll be the one seed. They'll be hosting the, uh, again, their designated home team, but they're, they're all in Vegas. They're not at home, but you have to figure in Vegas. Well, anywhere really that's a quote unquote neutral site. You're going to have tons of Lakers fans, but they'll be hosting the Pelicans. It's an exciting matchup. So you have Lakers Pelicans in the West, you have uh, Bucks Pacers in the East, and it's a good mix. Again, you have Bucks and Lakers who are considered top, you know, mixed teams in their conferences. And then you have Pelicans Pacers who are competitive teams in their conferences, but not quite in that same mix. And so it's an exciting group. Um, should be exciting to watch for. But uh, otherwise, that is it from those four games. That wraps up that. Um, and let's go ahead and move on to our key news. We only have a couple items for you. Uh, firstly, the December 8th schedule has been updated uh, to accommodate games for those teams that are not playing in the semifinal. Uh, we mentioned that previously. So the Knicks and the Celtics will be playing each other uh, at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on NBA TV. So that'll be a national broadcast. The Celtics will host that game. And then later on at 9 o'clock on League Pass, the Phoenix Suns will host the Sacramento Kings. So again, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So that will make up for the difference of those games that the teams aren't playing that didn't make the semifinal. Cause again, this is all structured around keeping the regular season games intact, not adding any additional games. So kind of a fun note um, next for the Philadelphia 76ers, Kelly Oubre jr. Is expected to rejoin the 76ers lineup tonight. Uh, so that is great news to see him uh, scheduled to make his return there in Washington against the wizards. Uh, so hopefully he's able to come back and have a, uh, a good a good game be productive and they win the game we'll, we'll have to see for their sake hopefully they win the game you know i don't really care either way out of the sixers is the wizards for the wizards sake they certainly would like to win that and they've struggled to win games this season we haven't had a chance to talk about them a lot um we'll actually talk about them a little bit more in detail later in this exact episode but uh for now let's go ahead and wrap up the news our last item the nba is launching a league pass gifting uh option i suppose for the holiday season um to starting uh starting today so let's see uh 12 months of you know league pass live on demand um and it's a one-time payment of a hundred dollars so i'm sure that's slightly discounted maybe not even discounted from the normal rate but uh cool i guess if you have a, a fan and you're looking for something in that price range you want to give them league pass and there you go. I guess that's something that you can do for them, but uh, 
Otherwise, that's it. Really not a ton of news outside of those few items. So let's go ahead and move on to our uh, our game segment, our 20 guesses game, which we haven't done in a little while. Now, again, with us doing this with just me hosting, normally it would be, you know, let's say Wyatt's on the show or Justin, one of our other co-hosts, um, we would have a player picked for each other. And the way it goes is we'd give each other, like let's say I'm going first and I'm going to go through my player's career stat line. So I'd read their career stats, uh, just outright the career stats, nothing more. The other player, the other person, the other host, has the opportunity to guess that who that player is. And it's 20 guesses to do that. If they've guessed 20 players and they haven't got it right, then they lose, I suppose. But with every guess, I would give them a small hint if appropriate. So let's just say, for example, the player was Magic Johnson, as we mentioned earlier in the show. And the other person guessed someone like, um, I don't know, Jerry West. It'd be like, well, no, but they were also up. They also played on the Lakers uh, most prominently, or uh, they were also a, a point guard, something like that. So you can give hints with every guest to kind of steer them closer. But there's also three lifelines. Um, one of them being that you would list the teams that that player played for. You would list their career accolades. That's the second one, uh, such as all-star appearances, MVPs, um, defensive player of the years, things like that. And then the other lifeline is that you would list the stats from their best career season or best seasons collectively. Uh, so there's three different lifelines there. Um, so with it being just me, what we're, what I'm going to do is just real quick, give you the career stat line and uh, one of those lifelines. And it's going to be posted on our social media page and you'll have a chance to respond there as far as which player you think that is. And then tomorrow we'll reveal who the player is. And uh, if you're not sure where to find us, let me go ahead and plug our social media real quick. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at crossover across time. Pretty straightforward on Twitter or X, whichever you prefer there. Uh, we're at X over across time. So a little different due to the character limit. On all three of those, you can also find a link tree that will take you to any of the other pages, but that will also take you to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you're not aware of all the different places you can listen to the podcast, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, and RSS.com. So definitely check all those out. We appreciate your support in any way that you can support us there. That being said, let me go ahead and waste no more time. I will give you uh, the career stat line, first of all, for this player. Here's the career stat line, the career averages rather. Um, 18.1 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.8 steals, and 0.6 blocks. And their shooting percentages, I can give you that as well. They shot 46.8% from the floor, 30.7% from three-point range, and 80.7% from the free throw line. And that is their career averages uh, for their career, of course. Now for a, uh, a lifeline, I'm going to give you the teams that they played for. And this is in alphabetical order by 
team moniker or mascot, whichever you prefer. They played for the 76ers, the Clippers, the Hornets, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Supersonics slash Thunder franchise. So those are the teams. That's the career stat line. Again, about 18 points, six boards, two assists, uh, a little less than a steal, and about a half a block with uh, 47% from the floor, 30, 31% from three-point range, and 80% from the free throw line. So again, that will be posted on our social media as well, and you will have the chance to guess which player you think this is. And tomorrow we will do an updated post to show you which player it actually is. I'm excited about this one. I think this is a fun, fun scenario. But with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up our game segment again. Hard to do much longer when you don't have anyone to actually respond. And let's go ahead and move on to uh, our latest weekly prediction. Weekly predictions. I mentioned with the uh, the Sixers-Wizards game that we would actually be talking about the Wizards a little bit more in depth, and that's because my prediction is involving the Wizards, but a, a specific player for the Wizards. And that is actually going to be predicated on a discussion of the Wizards themselves. Um, that's kind of part of this prediction for this player. So the Wizards, of course, have not been good to start the season. They're 3-16 and 16 overall. Um, one and nine in their last 10 games. Um, any way you cut it, the numbers are not great. They're not the worst team in the East. Of course, that currently belongs to the Detroit Pistons, losers of 17 straight games. But besides, you know, apart from that point, there's just, you know, <clears throat> not a ton of encouraging things for the Wizards as far as current building success. I mean, offensively, they're not terrible. They're seventh in the league in points per game, but um, they are the worst team in the league in rebounds per game, so they're not crashing the glass very well. And they're second worst in the league in opponents' points per game, so defensively, they've been rough. So they can can do things offensively, but the defensive side of the ball and rebounding is really where they're struggling. And if we look at their roster let's take a look at the roster at this current moment um the starting lineup uh mainly is you know tyus jones at point guard you've got jordan pool at the shooting guard denny avdia small forward kyle kuzma uh, power forward and uh daniel gafford is centered and it's interesting because gafford is a solid defensive center averaging about two blocks per game um no one on their team is averaging more than 7.6 rebounds per game. And that's Gafford. Uh, Kuzma averages 6.1 rebounds. Avdia averages 5.3. So that starting group is, you know, Avdia is a good rebounder for his position. Kuzma could be better and Gafford could definitely be better. And then outside of that, off the bench, they don't get a lot of rebounding. I mean, Muscala is averaging 2.7 rebounds a game. Gallinari is averaging 3.2 rebounds. Um, there's just not the rebounding for this team, as you can see, uh, or you can hear, I suppose. Um, and again, the offense is there. They're led by Kyle Kuzma offensively, 23.6 points per game, um, also with 4.6 assists. Tyus Jones is averaging about five assists a game. Jordan Poole's averaging 17 points. The percentages are rough. He's shooting 28.6% from three. Kuzma's shooting a lot better, 47% from the floor, 36% from three. 
But, you know, we know that this is a young team generally. They have some vets in some weird spots. But, of course, the focus is on guys like Avdia, Jordan Poole now, uh, Koulibaly, the rookie, Corey Kispert, um, so Johnny Davis, you know, they want to be moving towards that. But, again, the mix is still odd. And, uh, excuse me, the player I'm focusing on is a player with a little bit of that veteran experience who's a little bit older compared to, again, the rookie kind of core. You look at guys like Koulibaly, born in 2004. Man, that makes me feel old. Uh, Denny Avia, born in 01. Johnny Davis in 02. Uh, You know, that's where the focus is going to be. Or, you know, slightly older, Kispert in 99. Jordan Poole in 99. You know, that kind of timeline. And so this guy that I'm going to focus on for my prediction is a little bit older, born in 95. But he's also their best player at the moment. And I think that moving him, although it's not going to help this season, the season already is off to a rough start. Why not move him and get some sort of assets? But for his perspective specifically, um, he could be an asset for a team that is looking to add a piece to be more competitive. And I don't know what the team is, but I'm going to quit beating around the bush here. Kyle Kuzma. My prediction is that Kyle Kuzma. Um, actually, let me find the exact wording that I wrote here. Um, Kyle Kuzma will be involved in a surprise trade before the deadline, and that's it. I don't really have any specifics. I don't have any kind of awareness of what that kind of team would be that would have that opportunity to bring him in. Um, you know, for some reason, the Wizards, or not the Wizards, the Warriors came to mind. Um, it would be funny because, of course, the Wizards took on Poole, and then if they gave up Kuzma to the Warriors, I'm not sure why the Warriors would make that move. They just feel like a team that would be in a position to make a move. I don't know. I don't think Kuzma would really be the move. I was thinking about the Warriors, actually, you know, the whole Levine or uh, DeMar DeRozan conversation. They wouldn't, I mean, Levine more than DeRozan. They wouldn't really fit the Warriors identity in the sense of the three-point shooting especially to Rosen but it would be interesting it would be a splash for sure but uh I don't know so there's got to be some team out there that sees the production that Kuzma brings he's fairly efficient um he has a veteran presence he's been in the league a while um he has some goofs every now and then of course but you know he's been on a champion he was on the the championship Lakers in 2020 so he could bring value to a team that's looking to to add talent and especially if it's a team that's, you know, thick in the playoff mix, they're not going to be as concerned with draft capital, younger players, you know, rookies, sophomores, that kind of thing. So I feel like that's a move that would benefit the Wizards. Of course, this season they would struggle, but it would be in their interest long-term to make that kind of move. So that's the extent of my prediction. I kind of, you know, wandered around the prediction for a while and it's not that big of a deal. You know, I'm sure that he's already a name that's in some sort of mix. I just feel like I've heard more about Levine, DeRozan, um, and, you know, a handful of other names in the the trade wins uh, at this early point in the season. But that's my prediction, and we'll go ahead and uh, we'll leave it at that. Let me go ahead and give you our This Day in History fact before we wrap up today's show. Um, We're going back a while. We're going back to 1966. So December 6th of 1966. Rick Barry of the San Francisco Warriors made an NBA record 14 free throws in one quarter as the Warriors beat the Knicks 126 to 116 in New York. So 
pretty cool. I mean, he was one of the great free throw shooters of all time with the underhand technique. Um, and uh, he's an interesting player. I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about Rick Barry in detail, other than our last year's franchise focus, where we talked about that specific warrior squad, that very same season, the 66 to 67 season where he came out of the gates. I think it was like a sophomore season and he was just electric and led them to the finals against the former warrior in Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, But that's besides the point. We'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you again for listening, for tuning into the show. We really appreciate your support. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with our franchise focus for the Dallas Mavericks. So definitely tune into that. And then of course, we'll be back on Friday as well for our normal Friday podcast. We'll be wrapping up Thursday's uh, semifinal action. We'll be previewing the in-season tournament championship game. I'm excited for that. Um, Once again, thank you for listening and we'll be back with you on Thursday. We'll see you then on Friday, rather. 